Hello and welcome to the first episode of Secret Oranges, the podcast where Florida Man reveals the secret origins of comic book fans from around the world, why they collect, what they collect, and what they think of the state of the hobby today. Uh, My alter ego is Glenn, and I thank you for joining me here um, today or tonight, wherever or whenever you are. Uh, For this first episode, this is going to be kind of a zero issue for those of you that are in the comic book world enough to to know those zeros and one halves. Uh, We're going to just talk a little bit today, just you and me, about where I come from in relation to comic books and what I was was, uh, introduced to early on, where I am at now as far as the hobby is concerned, what, what my thoughts are. But future episodes will always feature a guest. And I'll be interviewing them and asking them similar questions about their journey uh, through the the comic book uh, fandom, how they got there and where they are now. Uh, So I just wanted to give you some uh, quick information about myself. I have been collecting for uh, for several decades now. I would say I would would have started roughly 40 years ago. Um, Collection has grown and shrunk over the years. Um, But as far as my, my origin is concerned... Uh, traces all the way back to roughly 1975 when uh, my mom would take me out of elementary school in Scotland, Connecticut, tiny, tiny town. And she would take me out of school under the pretense of having a doctor's appointment. I would then be put in the car. We would stop at a local store on the way called Medimart, which is kind of like uh, a CVS or Walgreens now. And I would be allowed to uh, pick up a couple of comic books. This is where I first remember having them. Um, The reason why I would be allowed to pick up comic books is to keep me quiet, not during the wait for a doctor's appointment, but my mom lied to the, uh, the school secretary and she wanted to go to the dog track for the matinee. And I would sit, uh, and they'd have just little booths and tables and things where you could sit and watch the races. And while my family was betting on dogs, I was reading comic books. And that was something that it, it kept my attention. Uh, I there was, there was something about it where I just lost track of time. So... Unlike being that that bored kid, when can we leave? When can we leave? Instead, I would just immerse myself in these books. And it worked. Uh, Not only did it kind of keep me quiet and keep me out of trouble, but it entertained me. I will say, you know, looking back on definitely educated me uh, as far as vocabulary, things of that nature. But uh, that's where I got my start. That would have been 1975. I think the first book that I can recall having in my possession was Claw the Unconquered number two. And I do believe that was 1975. So it would have been about six, six and a half, I think at that time. And kind of started from there. And slowly as we would see spinner racks in different grocery stores and department stores uh, around, around town, I would ask my mom, Hey, may I, may I, may I? And she'd let me pick one and I would, I would, uh, be allowed to to have that one and started with uh brave and the bold um let's see what else fantastic no fantastic four was a little bit later 
Uh, but Brave and Bold was a big one for me. Uh, Doctor Strange was a, a big early um, one for me. And it just kind of took off from there. Always been part of my, in, in some form or fashion, always been part of my um, my interests. Um, that's really how I got started. Things have changed a lot over 40 years' time. Uh, the way I collect is, is very different, what I collect and why. And it's actually changed a few times over the years. Um, I have always uh, gravitated to superhero books. They were what I was uh, introduced to up front. So it's always been a primary focus. But I have found that in recent years, my focus has shifted to independent books. And not necessarily even current independent books. Uh, we're talking, you know, digging through 50 cent and dollar boxes at local conventions or stores and finding interesting books, just things that look unusual or different that I never would have seen before. Certainly never would have paid attention to before. By watching our dollars and cents, we have to be picky in what we buy. And sometimes we just can't have everything, so we we stick with the things that we that we know. We we buy the books that we're familiar with that we know we're going to like. It's like when you go out to a restaurant and say, "I'm going to get the same thing I get every time because I know I'm going to like it." Instead of experimenting and spending ten dollars on a meal, and then realizing not only did you not like it, but it makes you sick. Who knows what? There's always these reasons why we we're kind of scared of change and scared of something different. And now, with so many stores having pretty substantial back issue bins at a discount, because this stuff doesn't sell, because it's not your hot titles, it's a great place to mine for for new to you uh, material. So, uh, superheroes were were it for me for a long time until I started to discover um, other genres, uh, horror. Certainly, especially once I got into my teens and I started watching all sorts of slasher movies on VHS, I started wanting to read like the goriest horror books I could find and um, books like Dead World from Arrow and then Caliber Comics, which was uh, Walking Dead before Walking Dead was Walking Dead and uh, Gore Shriek, things of that nature. So kind of got into it, got into a different genre at that point, then kind of faded from the hobby once college hit. Um, priorities changed. I was engaged. I was in school. I was working two jobs, had to pay bills, and needed money and didn't want to spend money on the hobby. So I sold a, a decent chunk of my collection and then kind of put it aside for a while. Still reading every grail once in a while, but once I rolled into the mid to late 90s, things really started to pick up again. And then not only was I buying new product, but I was going and buying back issues and catching up on what I missed. Plus, I was making a little more money out of college, and I started purchasing books that uh, may have a little more value to them, but I wanted to have them. Um, I mentioned Fantastic Four as being one of my uh, my favorites. That was, would have been late late 70s is when I was introduced to them around the uh, the George Prez and Keith Pollard days, right around the issues in, the, in like the 170s, 180s, up into like two, the early 200s was really when, when I was first introduced to, to um, 
the the FF and and really fell fell in love with that family dynamic and just the banter between them and um or just it just, for whatever reason it res- resonated with me even if you know my circumstance wasn't like that we you know I, I it, it, the family didn't look like me whatsoever but just the way they talked was very real um and I think you know that's just going back to Stanley's hallmark right you know he he co-created so much of the Marvel universe based on the fact that people were real and they had grievances and they had flaws you know we every anyone who knows books understands that uh, Marvel characters starting 1961 and on really were people first and heroes second and I think it was more relatable for a young person and it was easy for me to kind of plug into that um Moving out of the, the 90s, and I'm giving you the super quick overview here, moving out of the 90s into the 2000s, I, I really started to to expand my horizons and really start digging deeper into back issues, uh, trying to put together full runs of series, um, series like Tomb of Dracula, uh, series like Firestorm, both the first and second series, um, really digging in and, and, and trying to figure out how how far back I was willing to go with Fantastic Four. Also, Legion of Superheroes and some things like that, but uh, the my my habits have changed. Uh, as I said, I'm currently leaning much more toward uh, back issue independent stuff. I don't really read new books very often unless I can find them at a discount, marked down in a dollar bin. Uh, for example, uh, finding issues of War of the Realms, which just came out in twenty nineteen, finding those for a dollar. That works for me. Uh, I'm not really willing to pay $3.99, $4.99 cover price for a, for a comic anymore. I just, I, I don't find the value. But for a dollar, there is value. So that has gotten me up to the present day. I'm skipping lots here, but I don't want to bore you with every single detail. just want to give you an idea of, of what we'll be talking about uh, moving forward. Is really just where we came from and how we ended up where we are. I am, for my, my personal collection, somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen to 19,000 books. Looking to downsize, not just for space, but also for focus. And, and it's really a matter of, is this a book I'd actually want to go back and read again? If it's not a book that I've, I think that I'm going to read again, then I'm going to move on. And I'm probably going to find a new home for it and see if someone else is interested in reading it and maybe making a home for it. Sometimes the books are just not for me, and there's lots of reasons why. I was reading an issue um, from Dark Horse called By Bizarre Hands, and it was just, uh, I think it was a single story. It's a four-issue mini, but I believe each issue was its own story, and... I found it extremely offensive, and I understood the point it was trying to make. I uh, found it extremely offensive and really just kind of tone deaf, especially you know looking at it through today's lens. And I just felt like this is not something I'm going to revisit. I get the point. It, the story hits, but it's not, it's not for me. So... You know, I, I moved that book and there's going to be plenty of series as I go through my collection. I'm going to realize this is just not doing it for me. This is not, this is, this is a book that maybe 20 year old Glenn would have liked, or maybe even 15 year old Glenn would have liked, but not current day 
Glenn. It's just because our tastes change, right? I didn't like blue cheese before, but now I'll put blue cheese on anything. So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make there. Um, talk a little bit about favorites. Uh, favorite story arc. I really uh, am absolutely in, in love with, with two story arcs in particular. One is the Great Darkness Saga uh, from uh, the Legion of Superheroes run with Paul Levitz and Keith Giffen. It's a five-issue storyline from issue 290 to 294, if memory serves. And it's, it is the, it's the benchmark for me. If you want to get me turning pages and you want to get me to care about what's going on in a story, write a story like that, and I will read it and enjoy it every single time. Uh, a very close second is the Korback Saga. Uh, from the Avengers, and that story actually ran as a subplot for a long time, starting in, in the 160s, I believe, 167 or 169, and then finally culminated around 177 or 178. That story was brutal, and it, the, the last issue of it was just phenomenal, and, and it's a story that I can go back and read over and over and over again. Very, very impressive, and, and, and really just kind of stayed with me. Um. Oddly enough, there's not too many FF stories, I think, that would that would really hit home like that, unless you talk about the Psycho Man storyline that John Byrne wrote, where uh, the invisible girl becomes the invisible woman because she is actually assaulted um, and actually abused by Psycho Man. It's, it's heavy, um, but I think... As, as well as he could do, I think John did a really good uh, job of portraying that in, invasion of, of, of her mind and really her, her body, but definitely her mind, um, by twisting and perverting her into something that she did not want to, to, to be. And the way she comes out of that, it's pretty dark, but it's also... It's it's also the the final bit of the of the curve the 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 growth arc that you see in Sue from from Burton. I think he did more for that character than pretty much anyone else has, other than I don't know. I don't think Defalco did her justice. Um, I think James Robinson at the in the last run that he did with Leonard Kirk before they shelved the team for a while did a great job of showing just how potentially powerful as she is and she certainly is the most powerful member of the team and, and I will die on that particular hill um but I think that that John Byrne arc probably is is going to be my favorite FF arc and I do also recommend that to anybody to to read because it, it shows the team at its absolute worst and how it fights out of that to just be the family that it, it really needs to be and Ben is not in that story it's actually Jen Walters She-Hulk um, who has filled in for him while he's gone away, uh, and the result, uh, uh, the, I should say, the aftermath of Secret Wars. Uh, let's see, what other types of questions can you expect me to ask my guests? Grails. Uh, the real Holy Grail is something that's not supposed to be achievable, right? It's, it's a myth. It's, it's one of those things that might be out there and and if you found it it would be amazing and and we all know that with when it comes to comic books as long as you've got the pockets and you've got the connections you can buy any book you want but grail has become that term synonymous with that book that i probably will never have but i'd love to have in my case 
I think uh, it's a no-brainer that Fantastic Four number one uh, from 1961 would be my my number one grail. There's a couple that do follow that up. Uh, first appearance of Legion of Superheroes, first appearance of Doctor Strange. Both of those would be books that I would I would love to have in my collection. And if I can sell enough off of my collection and and roll that into purchasing some some new books and 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 get into some back, heavy back issue collecting. Who knows? It might happen. I'm not going to hold my breath on number one. Uh, I just saw um, a version, or not a version, but a, a slabbed um, copy of FF1 uh, sell on eBay for just under $10,000. And I'm not willing to go back into debt. I'm digging out of debt right now, and I'm looking, not looking to go back into debt to do that. So we'll see what happens. Other things that I'm into, not just comics. Uh, I'm I'm not necessarily a, a you know one dimensional person. Uh, do love video games, of course. That kind of does go hand in hand with the whole nerdy comic book thing, the, the stereotype, I guess you could say. But I do enjoy video games. Um, I love the Borderlands um, series, especially the second one. Uh, also enjoy um, the Uncharted series. Played a lot of Halo back in the day, especially online. But uh, I do enjoy console gaming. Don't do so much with PC. I'm a Mac guy, so it doesn't always work out unless you play Steam. Um, Love, 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 love music. Uh, music is something that can kind of keep me going when I can't go on my own. It is music that can lift me up. It is, it is music that can um, push me, that can give me a little extra fuel. Yeah, maybe let off some steam. So music for me, you know, when when people say I'll listen to any sort of music, that is not true. Uh, I am very much uh, a guy of the '80s when it comes to music. Although there is some uh, new metal stuff that I'll listen to, but I really do enjoy music a great deal. Um, and I'll I'll give a lot of things a shot. I mean, they may not fly with me, but I'll give a lot of things a shot. Um, to wrap it up, as far as comics are concerned for me it is a matter of why I, let's get get back to the core of it why I collect the reason why I read and collect books honestly is I do think it in a way it does take me back to being a kid again it takes me back to that time where it was a little more carefree those you know amazing stories that you'd read with with outlandish characters and 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 crazy costumes performing all sorts of miraculous feats and doing them for the right reasons i do really believe that there was a, a part of of comic books that spoke to me on a moral level and i i think marvel really did a good job of that um not always they weren't perfect they still aren't clearly um but I, I do think that part of the, the, the feel-good, the personal in-the-heart, in-the-soul feel-good for me uh, that I get from comics is a big reason why I, I stuck with them. Um, even if it was, you know, more or less, it's why I stuck with them. Definitely now, it's very much an escape. It's a sense of joy. Uh, it's a sense of... Well, it's entertainment, clearly. I don't buy or collect necessarily for investment. I rarely will buy to speculate 
it's more a matter of if I see it and there's an opportunity to make some money, I'll buy it and then sell it. I definitely do that because I do have a sales page on Instagram where I do sell books, but most of the books I sell are for a dollar. So not making uh, a mint here. You know, I would have to sell 10,000 books to buy my copy of Fantastic Four number one. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So especially when I only have a thousand books listed right now. So I guess my, my point is, is that I, I collect because I enjoy the entertainment. I enjoy the effort, I think. And I appreciate the effort and respect the effort of the creators and what they put into it. Because I think we can tell when someone's heart is in it or not, or when they're phoning it in. We can tell when a project matters to someone. That's why creator-owned properties are, are such a great, um, a great place to to start reading. Because those are going to be books that are being created by people who want to create what they're creating and not have editorial restraints. It's joy. It's 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 that simple. It's it makes me happy. It doesn't make me money necessarily. It doesn't make me um, popular. It doesn't give me notoriety. It doesn't, um, it, it, it just makes me happy. The hobby makes me happy. And there's that thrill of the chase when you're digging through boxes and you find, sometimes it's a book that you've never heard of before. Sometimes it's a book that you've been looking for for ages just to fill out that series. Sometimes it's a book that's worth a little bit and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I just found something that is valuable. Kind of like if you're going out on the beach with a metal detector and you're just scanning around and you find something, you know, it's like, oh, wow, okay, this, this is pretty neat. This, this, this was worth it. So I think that's kind of at the heart of it for me though, is just there's the joy of it. I don't want to ramble too much more. I think I've taken up um, a lot of your time and I think you'd rather listen to maybe other people's opinions and other people's points of view, um, not just mine. So I am going to go ahead and and start to to wrap this up, but I do want to leave you um, with uh, my Instagram account. It's at the quest for legends. Um, spelled just the way it sounds, The Quest for Legends, uh, on Instagram. And you're welcome to uh, to go ahead and, and check me out there and follow if you'd like. And if you do, let me know. Let me know that you uh, that you heard about uh, heard about me through this podcast. I'd greatly appreciate that. Of course, I would love uh, love to get feedback as well. And you can do that through Instagram. Haven't even started up an email address for this yet because this is something that I decided to do. Well. I I want I had the idea roughly a month ago and I just didn't believe in it. And something in the last few days, a few things in the last few days have kind of spurred me on to say, you know what? No, I need to do this. I need to I need to put this out there and see what happens. Um I'm I'm missing uh a lot of the maybe some of the human contact that I've had was would normally be able to have because of the pandemic and, and lockdowns and things of that nature. So this is another way for me to reach out to to have good in-depth conversations with other collectors and 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 even other people that maybe aren't in my circle right now that maybe end up in in my orbit or I end up in theirs 
because of this podcast. So it's an opportunity to meet new people, get new points of view, and, you know, maybe you'll learn about a title or a character or a creator that you haven't heard of before. Maybe you'll be willing to check it out, which is actually what I want to end with. Uh, and this is kind of my intent with every with every episode is I'll, I'll wrap up with a book that I found in a 50 cent or dollar box and encourage you to see if you can't track down a copy for yourself. The book that I wanted to uh, just talk about quickly today is Spirit of the Dragon, Issue Zero. This was published in 1993 by Double Edge Publishing and Entertainment. All of the creators that are listed here, uh, they're all names I've never heard tied to any other uh, projects. Uh, Patrick Lugo, Ken Becker, Gary Peterson. I don't know uh, any of those names, but then again, I don't know every creator creator that exists out there. Uh, this is a wonderful combination of fantasy and science fiction, and it spans tens of millions of years. Uh, it looks like there might be a little bit of, actually over a hundred million years is how long it actually. Uh, you have dragons and you have uh, special ops forces and everything in between. I read this just last night, as a matter of fact, and I found it in a dollar box. The cover price was 75 cents. I guess they were trying to get people's attention back in 93 because they knew there was a glut uh, of, uh, of material out there at that time. I know because I was part of that glut. Uh, we'll talk about that sometime. But Spirit of the Dragon is uh, is a story that is surprisingly well scripted, and and that's something that you don't see very often in true small press books that maybe only had a few thousand printed, that the scripts are not very good because not everyone knows how to write a tight script where the characters have their own voices, where they actually are interesting, and then you have to have a writer who is going to make those characters interesting and make you care about them. And I got all of that in one issue. I was... I remarked out loud when I was done reading this, I'm glad I read that. And and this is a book that is 30 years old, going on 30 years old. And yeah, I, this is why, this is what it goes back to. It's, it's the joy and, and it's the, and the word that I've, I've, I've used a lot is earnestness. There's an earnestness to the work that you could tell that they really tried and they put in their hardest work to make this good, to make it something they would be proud of. And I think the creators of this book should be proud of it. Uh, If you know any of the people that I'm talking about, or if you know this company or anything about them, uh, I'd love to get information. I need to do a little research myself, but, uh, I'm I'm super super impressed. Again, Spirit of the Dragon by Double Edge uh, Publishing, and it was from 1993. And if you can find a copy, I strongly suggest you do and give it a shot. It's it's not the best thing since sliced bread, but it is a small press book that people actually cared about making and making it good. And uh, th- and they did make a a good enjoyable comic, and I was I was really pleased to read it and pleased to find it. All right, well, thank you very much for sticking with us. If you have stuck around all the way to the end, I do appreciate your support. I do hope that you will subscribe, because the idea here is roughly once a week I will be publishing uh, a, a new episode of this podcast 
each week we'll have a different guest where they'll get to talk about where they've come from and where they've gone and where they've been and where they are in relation to the comic book hobby and see what they have to say about things. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your your ear. And we hope to see you soon. See you around the spinner rack.